I'm Tim Fitzgerald at GoPowerCat.com. And I'm Scott Jason with Fog.net. This is a replay of WIBW's TV show, The Drive. Here's this week's episode on the 24-7 Sports Podcast Network. Good evening, Wildcat and Jayhawk fans, and welcome to The Drive, sponsored by FlintHillsAuto.com. I'm Tim Fitzgerald of GoPowerCat.com, and the man to my right is Scott Chasen of Fog.net. Scott, we get to talk about two teams at one. Yeah, I mean, uh, it seems like it might be a little bit of a rarity this year, but hey, two football teams, 1-0. You can't start any better than that. You can't play any teams but the ones in front of you. Man, you should be a coach. I know. That was good advice. We're on to the next one. You can interact with us on social media at Facebook.com slash The Drive Show on Twitter at The Drive 13. And, of course, check out our weekly poll questions and make your game predictions over at thedriveshow.com. And remember, if you ever miss an episode of The Drive, you can listen to an audio-only version that will appear each Monday morning in the form of a podcast at gopowercat.com and fog.net. And a couple, almost 1,000 people did exactly that last week. We're going to start things off with our two-minute drill. And the two-minute drill is sponsored by Hula Hands. They've been expecting you. Now let's eat. Well, the Chris Kleiman era of Kansas State football started with a dominating performance over Nichols on Saturday. The Wildcats led 28 to nothing at half on their way to a 49 to 14 win. Fitz, could this have gone any better it at was, all? It was really a remarkable performance, considering that this Nichols team is ranked, I believe, 11th in the preseason FCS poll, considered a team that could go a long ways in the playoffs. I believe they went to the quarterfinals last year, losing in a close game to the team North Dakota State, and Chris Kleiman beat in the finals. That would have been Eastern Washington. K-State got it going early. They scored on their first drive. They moved seven plays down the field, and then uh, they picked up an interception from A.J. Parker, and they were off to the races right then. They scored on those first four possessions, all running touchdowns all from different players and maybe the stat of the night was that first seven play drive and remember Skylar Thompson and his five offensive linemen were on the field for all seven plays 14 other players played the five remaining positions so that means between the running back fullback tight end and receivers they rotated through almost three guys per position on those seven plays it was guys coming and going throughout that first drive and we saw it all night long. They truly did use four running backs consistently in this game. Four guys had 10 or more carries. James Gilbert went for uh, 118 yards as he uh, made his debut from transferring from Ball State for his senior year. K-State's offensive line dominated. This is what you should do with an FCS team, even if they're a good one like Nichols. But K-State hasn't been doing that lately. This was a refreshing start to a season for Wildcat Nation. Yeah, when, when you're following up a coach, a legendary coach like Bill Snyder at K-State, few like him ha have the stature at the program that he does. I mean, his name is on the stadium, for goodness sake. I mean, uh, how do you feel like he handled maybe the off-the-field side of the equation, the part that says, hey, you're, you're following a legend. You kind of need to show something right away. This falls under there's more ways to skin a cat than just one, and Bill Snyder skinned a lot of cats during his time at K-State. But Chris Kleiman showed that a little bit uh, more joyous atmosphere mm -hmm. around the program, a little more fun for the players, can translate to an efficient performance. 
two turnovers, excuse me, two penalties and zero turnovers in this game for a first-year coach is pretty remarkable. Well, Kansas football outlasted Indiana State on Saturday 24-17. Scott, it was a shaky performance for KU and quarterback Carter Stanley, but how could you, how would you assess Coach Les Miles and the quarterback duo that played. Yeah, well, look, it's a different era for KU football, and you saw that right away. KU chose a quarterback, a starting quarterback, who is not the name that they brought in. You want to start there. When you recruit a JUCO quarterback, you sign him, you give him a scholarship in a class that only has 15 available names, you're, you're counting on that guy to come in and play. Make no mistake about it. You don't you don't waste that scholarship unless you think that guy has a chance. Thomas McVitie was the number one ranked JUCO pro-style passer, and they hand it over to Carter Stanley, and he plays the whole game. Now look, Kansas was helped out by the defense. You see an interception by Jeremiah McCullough. You see, obviously, Hassan Defense had a 57-yard uh, return, a, a pick six to score the first touchdown of the Les Miles era, but uh, yeah, Carter Stanley was a little bit shaky. He made some good decisions. He put his receivers in situations where they could go up and make plays kind of one-on-one. At the same time, he forced a lot of balls into danger. There was a pass that was tipped up again, you see, and Andrew Parchment comes down with it. That might have been an interception. I can think of at least two others where he threw into double coverage or or really tried to force a ball into a tight window. Uh, It could have been intercepted. He makes arguably the biggest mistake of his KU football career, losing the ball in the end zone right at the end. KU goes down by a point, but that's when I I think you'd look in years past and David Beatty, I mean, he did this. He would replace, he would take his quarterback out. A year ago, Miles Kendrick came in for a third down in overtime. He hadn't played since the first half. Les Miles put his faith in Carter Stanley. Carter Stanley led them down the field, scored the game-winning touchdown, and Les Miles said after the game, not only did he name Carter Stanley the quarterback moving forward, he was basically asked about his performance, and he said, was he perfect? Not at all, but he was good enough, and he was a good enough leader, and I think those things matter. Well, that showed up in that last drive when he took the team down the field, made a horrible mistake. Most KU teams have passed, would have mm-hmm. lost that game because of that mistake, but they didn't. They, they, he let him right down the field for the winning touchdown. That felt different than what KU football has in the past. Yeah, and, and look, make no mistake about it. They won by seven points, and they needed a late drive to do it against an FCS team. Not a great start, obviously, to the Les Miles era. Still, you didn't have Puka Williams, who will be back next week. It'll be interesting to see what that complete team Not looks like. Not a great start, but it was a winning start, that's mm-hmm. for sure. Indeed. Well, the Big 12 loaded up on FCS opponents in week one, but who logged the most worrisome performance in the week? Was it KU, West Virginia, or maybe Iowa State? You know, we've all learned that FCS opponents yeah. are dangerous. They're a little bit better than maybe the reputation sometimes. You know, it's all changed. Yeah. It used to be not that long ago when FCS was clearly a step down, but now they get so many you know, FBS transfers that go down, and they're able to sell the kids that, look, we play a really good brand of football at this level. Maybe you should come visit our campus, see what it's about. Mm-hmm. You could go to that program that's, you know, the FBS level and maybe ride the bench, or you could come play with us. It's clear that all of these teams have players very capable of playing at this level. Mm-hmm. But to the question, yeah. Iowa State, mm-hmm. what are you doing? <laughs> You're nationally ranked. Yeah. You're playing a team that looks at you in Northern Iowa as a rival. Mm-hmm. And again, you took them lightly. They didn't win that game. 
they got lucky. Mm -hmm. They recovered a fumble in overtime that would have ended it, mm -hmm. and then scored the winning touchdown. They were so lucky. Yeah, the, the answer has to be Iowa State, just based off preseason expectations alone. I mean, look, West Virginia, I, I believe they got three votes in the AP Top 25 poll. Make no mistake. People are expecting West Virginia to be much lower down in the Big 12 standings. I, Iowa State was right up there. They might have been picked third, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. What, ranked sure. 21st in the preseason poll? Only the second time in program history that they've been ranked up there. Now, said a little positive about KU in the, in the first, so I want to add them and bring them into this equation too because, yeah, look, it's never good when you're, you know, down a point basically late in the fourth quarter against an FCS team. And quite frankly, you know, the Jayhawks were kind of backed up deep by their own end zone. If Carter Stanley doesn't fumble that ball in, in a funny enough way, there's a chance they punt it. And basically what ends up happening is Indiana State is more methodical, goes down the field and scores the game-winning score, and KU doesn't have any time to answer. So, yeah, it, it was a little bit of a worrisome performance, I, I would definitely definitely say even without Puka Williams the defense at times if they don't get those two interceptions especially the first one maybe KU isn't in, in the game but then obviously you can look at it the other way and say if they made a couple more big plays it's not going to be as close. Well it wasn't a pretty night for the Big 12 but mm -hmm. they all made it home safely yeah. and that's really what counts. Mm -hmm. Now a quick look at your poll question results and poll questions are brought to you by Film and 11 your go fast look good play hard custom shop. Well, last week's question was, how many years will it take the Jayhawks to make a bowl game under less miles? And choices, we had one or two seasons, that got 10% of the vote. Three seasons, 30% of the vote. Four or more seasons, 40%. And less is not more, it won't happen, 20%. I wonder how many of those votes were for your creativity. Uh, it could be, but I, 80% of the people out there think less miles mm -hmm. will indeed take this KU program to a bowl. That's a change in perception. Yeah. Whether they're K-State or KU people voting, people think he's going to move this program forward. Mm -hmm. Now, is that to six and six or ten and two? That doesn't really show up in this poll, but yeah. we can all agree six and six <laughs> is a lot of progress right now for KU. You do that a couple times, you'll get a statue in Lawrence. Right, that's true. <laughs> this week's question is this. Will either or either K-State or KU go 3-0 in non-conference play. They're all they're one step down that road. A, both will. B, only K-State. C, only KU. D, neither will. Make sure you vote over at thedriveshow.com. Well, that will do it for this half of the two-minute drill, but we will be right back with more on KU and K-State on The Drive. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates – Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back to The Drive as we continue our weekly two-minute drill. The two-minute drill is sponsored by Hula Hands. They've been expecting you. Now, let's eat. Well, Chris Kleiman never hesitated to make Skylar Thompson his starting quarterback. And, hey, Thompson played pretty well in the season opener. Fitz, is this an all-new version of the K-State quarterback? Well, it sure looked like mm -hmm. it. Conf he was confident. He was in control and command. And he, he just did a really good job. You would have never known this was a new offensive system that he was playing his first game in. Uh, he, he seemed to have 
mastered everything they needed uh, him to master, at least in this home opener. Threw the ball well, ran the ball well. Uh, there was a couple drops, and like more like four drops, that really hurt his throwing numbers. But you know, Skylar Thompson didn't respond last year too well to the kind of manufactured two quarterback system Bill Snyder used, and uh, neither quarterback liked it very much. And he tried to keep two guys happy and kept nobody happy in the process. Well, Alex Dalton got the start at TCU. Skylar was still at Kansas State under Chris Kleiman running a pro-style offense that uh, has some very fun, interesting wrinkles, and boy, he looked good. Yeah. He ran the ball three times for 30 yards, including breaking a, a scoring run in which he made a really nifty move on a defensive back. Now, this is Skylar Thompson's offense, and he likes it. Uh, and, you know, that running game, when you're able to have the offensive line control the line of scrimmage like they did and run for 350-plus in the mm -hmm. contest, the life of a quarterback is a whole <laughs> lot easier, and it was really nice to see. Yeah. A little bit, little bit different, and also, I mean, I don't think it might be too strong to say, but K-State kind of put the rest of the Big 12 on note here. I mean, this is the team you picked for ninth in the conference, you know, before the season, and they said, hold on a sec, you know, not saying they're going to be up there at the top, but maybe a little bit better than some of those guys. You think part of that, I'm sure the players aren't obsessing over their preseason rank, but they, they know what teams feel about them. Yeah, yeah, you know, they try to say, we don't look at those things. Mm -hmm. Everyone looks at those yeah. things, mm -hmm. and they did play that chip on their shoulder a little bit. It's going to be a good team. I mean, I don't know what their record's going to be. I, they still got to go to Mississippi State. They got to, you know, Big 12s is brutal. But they were efficient. They were clean. And Skylar Thompson clearly sent the message. Mm -hmm. I'm a different quarterback now. And I think the Big 12 did perk up a little bit. Yeah, continuity, uh, just so important yeah. too at that quarterback spot. I mean, Les Miles after the game said, you betcha when asked if Carter Stanley was going to be his guy. I think you're seeing that right now with KU and K-State. Yeah, that's very true. Wide receiver was one position KU looked sharp at during the game. Scott, who did you see standing out from that unit? And what do you make of the game one production? Well, there was a lot of production. And th this was a position, wide receiver, that a lot of people wondered, hey, is this a weakness for the KU football team? I mean, Carter Stanley, who did not have the most accurate throwing day, uh, Andrew Parchment's making catches where uh, a defender is hitting the ball up in the air and, and somehow he comes down with it. There were a number of jump balls or times where, look, they just tried to put guys in one-on-one -on -one situations. The Dalen Charlotte game-winning touchdown, that was it was not an especially great throw. I mean, he put it on the money to where it needed to be, but there's a defensive back right there. You are trusting mm -hmm. that your wide, wide receiver is going to go out and make a play. So uh, first, I think Emmett Jones deserves a lot of the credit because he's worked a lot with technique, disguising routes, and you know what makes those one-on-one -on -one balls easier is when you can disguise the route to the extent that the defensive back and man coverage does not know when the ball is coming. I mean, that's a huge part of it because if they're just staring down that receiver and you see the receiver kind of break toward what looks like the, the end of a natural route, put their hands up, they're going to jump at the ball. And I thought, at least from my perspective, that KU showed a lot of improvement in terms of just kind of the way the entire offense ran. And you see in some of those highlights, Emmett Jones actually running in and pointing out things, little tidbits uh, to the guys on the field. But no, Dalen Charlotte, Andrew Parchment. I mean, he was the, the number one receiver in this game. He had over 100 yards, didn't have a touchdown, but uh, made a number of difficult catches, including uh, a ball that was thrown kind of like a fade, a jump ball, but it was 35 yards down the field. And uh, when you can count on those production from outside guys, 
you bring Puka Williams back into the mix, all of a sudden things start looking a little bit better. I, I was blown away by the production from KU's Wild. It was impressive, and plus I love the name Parchment. <laughs> That's truly an old school name. Right there, he made his declaration yeah. that it was going to be a good season for receivers. They looked good. They really did. If they, you got Puka and those receivers, mm -hmm. you get that kind of balance. You could win some games. Yeah, and one more thing on Dalen Charlotte. This is a guy who, in the spring game following his transfer from Alabama, he looked really good. And for a few years now, everyone's been asking the question, why hasn't he been getting on the field? You know, he changed positions. He was a safety uh, at one point. And, you know, he kind of downplays it. He'll say it's injuries or whatever, but he won't necessarily tell you. I will tell you, he should have been playing more the last few years. It took him all of one game to show that, and I asked him after the game, and he basically said, hey, when I get on the field, I deliver results. That's exactly what he did. That's what we do here, too. Mm -hmm. And now we step out of bounds. Well, owner David Glass uh, sold the Kansas City Royals last week to Kansas City and uh, John Sherman's ownership group for $1 billion. If you had a billion dollars to spare, would you buy a sports franchise? Fitz, what are you doing? Uh, another $1 billion to spare, I should say. Uh, yeah. What are you doing with that? I would only do that with my second billion. Mm -hmm. uh, I would not buy a sports franchise, even though the Glass family showed what an incredible investment it mm -hmm. is. I can't remember the price they bought it for way back when, but it was... It's like 95 million or something? Yeah, it was nothing compared to this. And, uh, $1 billion you can't help but giggle that a guy that rich makes that much money mm -hmm. off an investment of a what mostly has been a bad team other, outside of a couple years. I think this is good for Kansas City. I think it's bad that I don't have a billion dollars, mm -hmm. so I have to face this decision. That's worse for Kansas City. I probably would buy an island, mm -hmm. put uh, have uh, some friends run some fiber internet under the sea so I can live <laughs> like a king on on my island, and uh, but I'd still do the drive. Oh, of course. Because at a billion dollars, I could have a time machine or a transport machine yeah. to just magically send me here because I, I couldn't go without this. What would you do with a billion dollars? I'm thinking David Booth made a $50 million donation to Kansas, and he got his name put on the stadium. What if you made a $500 million donation? You think they'd let you coach the team? University of Kansas at Chasen Plaza. I think they just maybe rename it the University of Chase at $500 million. I know. I know. It's, just, it's only fair. Yeah, of course. Uh, now, let's hear from the fans. And our fan question this week is? Well, I was at Saturday's game. Everything felt different. Did it to you? It's for me, obviously, talking about K-State. Yes, it did. I mean, it wasn't because the music was different. It wasn't, you know, because uh, the entrance was different. There was a weird vibe, a good vibe, throughout Manhattan all weekend, driving around town on Friday. I encountered a legitimate traffic jam mm -hmm. in Manhattan, Kansas. Wow. Uh, the, <laughs> going down Anderson Avenue, I realized the traffic from this high point, I can see four or five blocks down the road, and it's still all cars. This is on Friday. People were fired up for the Chris Kleiman era. They were rewarded, and people were buzzing. The stadium was buzzing. It, it felt like old school K-State when K-State was really good. There was just a joyous atmosphere around things. Yeah, it was different. It was good. It yeah. was refreshing. I think f fans really needed that. 
Mm -hmm. So clearly a question for K-State to chime in though from the KU side because sure. and we'll talk about this in a little bit more but traffic wise it was funny there was actually a traffic jam caused outside the stadium because there was a garage for spe special kind of credentialed personnel and, and media and whatnot only people didn't understand that because there were a lot of new people coming to the game who had never done this before didn't know where to park and were just trying to figure out hey what streets do I drive on I mean KU's attendance shot up from what it's been in years past I, I think you're seeing that there's a new energy around both programs it's, it's a really cool time to be covering and following both teams just because and I think you're seeing this too a lot of people are not only excited but curious and I think yeah. those are two different things yeah I'm sure you're all curious to hear the next thing. <laughs> well, remember to ask us your questions on our Facebook page and on Twitter at The Drive 13. And when we return, we will look at our predictions here on The Drive. Welcome back as we head down the home stretch of this week's show. Now it's time to take a look at our predictions. The predictions are brought to you by Vanderbilt's Your Work Boot Center. And remember to make those weekly predictions at thedriveshow.com. I'm not telling you more than once, people. You got to get over there and vote. Sorry, I got testy. <laughs> Let's look at last week's results. Uh, and if you're wondering why there are only two games here, it's because I'm an idiot. Let's just be honest, I'm, I'm not bright. Our third game is Oklahoma and Houston. By now, you know the result. By when we're taping, we don't know the result. So everyone won and won last week. Basically, I had faith in uh, K-State and KU to cover. Scott did not have faith in KU to cover, and he was rewarded. So he, get, he gets a win mm -hmm. because he picked KU not to cover, which doesn't mean he picked him to lose. Yes. I said last time, close game, but a win. That's exactly what happened. Now, this week's picks start with Bowling Green visiting Kansas State as a 23-and-a-half-point underdog. So you get, if K-State's got to win by 24 to get this right, you say? I'm going to go. I'll, I'll go Bowling Green again. Let's see. But one more week, K-State proves me wrong. I'm, I'm going to start picking them every single week. Okay. I've got K-State oh, in this. I think they will cover that. Yeah. Well, next is Coastal Carolina plus 10.5 at Kansas, you say? Coastal Carolina. You're going with them? Yeah, I can't. I, I, that's 10 points. Isn't yeah. It? Yeah. It's, it's a young team for Coastal Carolina. I will go with Kansas and not feel great about it. Let's see if they can do a little bit better. For they the got before. the win. They now got they need back. to go really thump someone. Yeah, we'll really see. Put it down. We'll see what happens. Our last game of the week is, and I cannot explain the spread. <laughs> I have checked it three times to make sure it's correct. Remember Missouri. Mm -hmm. We all dislike Missouri, unless you're a Missouri fan. Why would you say that? Uh, lost at Wyoming. They are a 12-point favorite over West Virginia. I'm going to take Missouri in this one. It's one of those where, and this is always this is not a good strategy for life. It is a good strategy for shows. It's where if the line seems too crazy, there's a reason why somebody knows something, uh, and I'm Vegas rolling with that. Vegas always knows. I'm going with West Virginia. I think that's a good I, pick I, by you. <laughs> I think Vegas just doesn't think West Virginia is very good. Mm -hmm. Now let's move to our on the clock segment. On the clock is sponsored by Carpet One by local. For a strong local community, let's start with Mr. Scott Chasen of Fog.net. 
Well, I just want to talk about kind of what I started to touch on in the last segment, which was the energy at Memorial Stadium. It was totally different. Over 32,000 fans were reported for the opener of the Les Miles era. Now, KU's opener last year had around 24,000, and if you're sitting thinking that 8,000 isn't a huge difference, well, first of all, it's a 33% increase. It's, it's one-third, but think about that. If the average fan, let, let's use really no, low numbers. If they're spending $10 on tickets, they're spending another $10 on food at the game, and beer now at Memorial Stadium, you're talking about a lot of money. All of a sudden that 8000 becomes 80000 and then $160,000 per game. I think it's something you look at and it say it touches every part of the university. A lot of energy in Memorial Stadium recruits like that buzz too. Let's hope this keeps up for both programs. It, it is very fun to see both teams win. It's kind of rare. It was a lot of fun in Manhattan. But I'll say this. Students, you got to stick around the whole game. Mm -hmm. They're playing at home again this week against Bowling Green. And there are tickets available. If you really love these cats, go buy some tickets, fill that stadium up again, and uh, we'll see if it happens. Well, that's it for this week's edition of The Drive. We will see you next week right here and all week on social media.